Hello, I'm Isaac Heath Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Hey, look at us. We're hanging out together again. This is the third episode of my brand new podcast. (laughs) Today I'm going to be talking about a movie called Mr. Lonely. And if you've never heard of it, why don't you spend some time with your friend as he talks about some weird movie that you never heard of. And who knows, maybe when we're done, you may be inspired to seek this movie out. That's my, that's my goal. <laughs> I wouldn't waste your time. Trust me. I don't want to record podcasts about movies that I don't think are special. How did this movie enter my life? I'll tell you. This is a movie directed by Harmony Kareen. And if you don't know who that is, I can guarantee you that you've at least heard of one of the movies that he's made. Harmony Kareen is one of my favorite filmmakers. And, you know, like, like you, I'm sure, when your favorite filmmaker, film director, puts out a new movie, you put your money where your mouth is, as far as your fandom is concerned, and you'll go see that movie at the theater, or sometimes even blind buy it on Blu-ray or DVD or digital download. Even if you don't know what the movie's about, even if you don't know who's in it, even if you haven't even seen a trailer. And that's how I am with Harmony's films. Here's a list of the movies that Harmony Kareen has made. And I'm going to name these movies in the order that they were made. Gummo. Julian Donkey Boy. Mr. Lonely. Trash Humpers. Spring Breakers. And The Beach Bum. And I know which one that you've heard of. In fact, you've probably even seen Spring Breakers. Uh, There's one movie that he tends to get um, incorrectly credited for making, and that's a movie called Kids. That's a a film by Larry Clark. Harmony wrote that movie, but didn't direct that movie. So um, Gummo is actually his first film. Now, if you've never seen Harmony's work, it's not the easiest type of filmmaking style to explain, but I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Uh, he makes bizarre art films. They're mostly dramas, but they have elements of like dark comedy in them. Um, what they all have in common is they tend to put a spotlight on outsider characters. Um, granted, I don't think Spring Breakers is really about outsider characters when you think of the girls that are the main characters in the film, but the people they meet are definitely part of that description. So he makes these movies that are filled with the type of people that never have movies made of them. And that's part of the fascination. Um, They tend to be surreal and experimental and at times even dreamlike. And I love them. I love that when I see his movies, they're unlike anything I've ever seen. When he made Mr. Lonely in 2008, it had been nearly 10 years since his last film, Julian Donkey Boy, which had come out in 1999. So it was very special because... As a fan, I was aware that he was going through some personal troubles, some some demons. 
He was struggling with drugs, and he overcame that, thankfully, and he's doing well. Um, he has a, a wife and two kids, and he's making movies more regularly, and I'm very happy as a fan, and I'm also just very happy for him. So let's talk about Mr. Lonely. What is this movie about? I'm going to describe the plot right now, and I'm going to be very careful not to reveal too much. So here we go. <laughs> Let's see if this appeals to you. Mr. Lonely is a film that features two stories in one film that don't connect. So throughout the movie, it goes back and forth between two entirely separate stories. One of them more the the A story, let's say, is the more dominant story. And, and that's the story that the film is named after, Mr. Lonely. So let's call it the main story. The main story is about a Michael Jackson impersonator living in Paris. Um, he's not French. It's, it's difficult for me to just say he's American because he... The actor that plays him is Diego Luna, and so, but they don't really play up him being um, Latin either. So, you know, he speaks English, but uh, he is the Mr. Lonely of the title. He lives alone. Uh, he has no friends or family. If he has family, they're not shown in this movie. He definitely has no family living in France. Uh, he speaks very little French. They, they have a couple scenes where he can kind of get through day-to-day moments where he has to speak French, but for the most part, just English. And he's like a street performer. He performs on the streets, uh, he public parks, tourist spots, you know, anywhere he can set up his little boombox, dress up like the King of Pop, and dance for, for money. Um, it's interesting, this is a movie about a man living as Michael Jackson that has no Michael Jackson music in the movie at all. <laughs> uh, you know, in, in my opinion, if Michael Jackson's music was in this film, I think it would change the tone of the film. You know, it's a, it's a more, de I don't, is delicate the right word? Like a more gentle type of storytelling process that, I think would be disrupted if Michael Jackson's music was in it because the energy of Michael Jackson's music is much more exciting than the pacing of this story. So I think is it's good. It's a good thing that his music's not in the film, but realistically I'm sure Michael Jackson's music is very expensive to buy the rights for to put in a movie. So, there you go. It's a Michael Jackson movie with no Michael Jackson music in it. Uh, also, if you remove Michael's music from the man and just show a man living in this type of clothes, you know the way Michael dresses. You know, you, you, you definitely link his look to his sound. If you take away the sound and just look at the look, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. Um, and it's supposed to be weird. It's, it's supposed to be a weird movie. It, it feels more surreal. And it matches as a character in an art film. So the man living is Michael. Uh, 
is himself very gentle, which matches him living as Michael. If his personality wasn't gentle, if he was more of a, like a, I don't know what the opposite of gentle would be rough or goofy. I don't know. It just, it would feel more comedic and it's not, it's not by design trying to make fun of Michael Jackson. One day, Michael is performing at an old folks home. So he does get some gigs where he's paid to show up to places and perform to entertain people. And while he's performing for the people who live at the, the retirement home, uh, a woman walks by and notices him and she's dressed as Marilyn Monroe. So she pops in to watch his show, his act. And while he's performing, he notices her. So after the performance is over and he leaves the old folks home, he's on the street, you know, and he sees her sitting alone at a cafe and he asks if he can, uh, he asks her if he can join her and they do, they, uh, she says, yes, they, they sit down and they have a drink together and, uh, she tells him about her home. She lives in a commune in the Scottish Highlands, and she convinces Michael to move there. Now, you notice I call him Michael. Um, it's never revealed what his real name is. I mean, maybe coincidentally it is Michael, but in this movie, he's always referred to as Michael. He calls himself that, and he answers to that. Just as she's Marilyn. Now... This camp commune where Marilyn uh, lives, this is a commune where everyone lives together in a castle as celebrity impersonators. And they live as the people they are impersonating. So they don't turn it off where when they're performing, they take on the personality of the celebrity. They live their life as the celebrities and they answer as the celebrities. So like Michael Jackson and Marilyn Monroe, every celebrity that is impersonated in the film is referred to exclusively as their celebrity name. So at this commune, Marilyn Monroe is married to Charlie Chaplin, and they have a daughter, and their daughter is Shirley Temple. And also living at the commune is Madonna, Sammy Davis Jr., James Dean, the Three Stooges, The Pope, Queen Elizabeth, Buckwheat, a foul mouth Abraham Lincoln, which adds a lot of comedy to the movie, and this last one's weird, Little Red Riding Hood. So before I go forward with the plot, I'd like to just touch upon the last one, Little Red Riding Hood. All the other people who live in the commune, um, they impersonate celebrities. Little Red Riding Hood is a fictional character. So here's my theory of why Harmony inserted one non-celebrity in the bunch. It's pretty simple. <laughs> the actress who plays Little Red Riding Hood is Harmony's wife, Rachel Kareen. And she doesn't specifically look like a celebrity. And I doubt that she has a specific talent to be able to impersonate a celebrity, but I know he still wanted to put her in the movie. He's used her in other movies that he's done. 
So it seems simple to just give her um, a fictional character so she can just dress the part and it doesn't require having to do an impersonation of a famous person. And it's fine because she doesn't have a major role in the film. When you have someone dressed as Little Red Riding Hood among a bunch of celebrities, the whole thing is just surreal to begin with. So it's just kind of like naturally fits right in. So the people who live at the, the commune, their goal is to build a theater on their property so they can collectively give the world's greatest show where people from all over will come to see them perform. Now, this part of the movie, like I said earlier, there's an A part and a B part. The A story, there, within that there's like three subplots, three stories. And three stories that are told throughout this film that concern this celebrity community involve the challenge of working together to create this theater and show and the reality of whether or not the public would be interested in seeing such a show. Um, the second story involves the, the animals that live on their property. They have a farm and I don't want to give too much away with this story, but it involves the health of the animals and their animals getting sick and how they deal with that. Because it's not just, hey, look at these weirdos living together in a castle. That would be enough, but there is more to it. They, they do throw drama into the film and show how would these people deal with a real life situation um, and in this case, it's the health of their animals. And the third story I would consider the, the main story within this A, A story. And that's the story about Charlie Chaplin, the husband of Marilyn Monroe. And how, and when I say that, I mean, you know, in real life, Charlie Chaplin wasn't married to Marilyn Monroe. But in this movie, the celebrity impersonator who impersonates Charlie Chaplin, is married to the woman who is impersonating Mel Monroe. They had a daughter, and she impersonates Shirley Temple. So this story is about how Charlie Chaplin and how jealous he is of Michael Jackson and how he's convinced that um, his wife wants to be with Michael now. Now, as you watch this movie... You get to know these characters and you start to really dislike Charlie Chaplin and you kind of want Marilyn Monroe to end up with Michael Jackson. But I'm not going to reveal to you whether or not they do <laughs> get together. Um, so, as I said earlier, this is a film with two stories that don't connect. Story number two is about nuns. <laughs> yeah, nuns. The story shows a group of nuns living in an unnamed developing country, along with a priest played by Werner Herzog. And they fly around the country in a small plane, and they drop food out of the plane to starving villages. Then one day, as they're dropping food, one of the nuns falls out of the plane. As she's falling, 
you can hear her thoughts and she's praying to God. She's saying that she's not scared. And if he means for her to die, she accepts that. But if he doesn't mean for her to die, she knows she'll survive this fall, which she does. It's a miracle. Now, she explains to the other nuns how she survived the fall. And they all want to try it. They all want to, you know, they all love God. They all believe in him. They all believe in his plan. Um, They are all pure of heart. And they all start jumping out of airplanes on purpose with no parachute. (laughs) And they pray their way to safety. And it works. So they do it regularly. And they become known for it. They start jumping out together while forming a circle. And there's even one nun who jumps out while riding a BMX bike. The Pope hears about this. And they're invited to show him this miracle. So it's a very bizarre second story. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with the first story, but the, the movie's so beautifully made and performed that they seamlessly go back and forth between the, the two stories. And there you go. I'm not going to reveal what happens to anybody or the nuns or the celebrities or Michael Jackson or Charlie Chaplin or Marilyn Monroe. Um, it's kind of a sad, it's kind of a sad story, but I'm not setting you up for heartbreak. It's not the kind of movie where when you're done, you feel depressed. It's not, there's moments where you're like, oh, this is kind of a bummer, (laughs) but it's nicely wrapped up at the end in a way where you as the viewer, you don't regret going through the experience. There's hope. You feel like it was, it was rewarding. It was worth it. Um, This movie has everything you want it to have as far as, uh, I want to say any movie is concerned, but I specifically want to point out art films because art films tend to, in my opinion, they're more careful with the following things that I'm about to celebrate. And that is beautiful cinematography. I mean, this is a gorgeous film. It is stunning. This is one of those movies that you could pause it at most times in the film and frame that still. You know, they look like uh, like each moment just looks like its own separate work of art. It's got wonderful music. And there are moments throughout this movie where there's not as much dialogue. And the music kind of carries the film. Uh, amazing performances, which you need to have if you're going to try to realistically tell a story about celebrity impersonators. It's not just enough to have actors who can handle the drama you have to also be able to do impressions well. And some of these people, you really have to be good at it. Like, for instance, Michael Jackson. Let's just talk about Michael Jackson right away. Michael Jackson is a remarkable dancer. I remarked upon earlier about his music being missing from the film. You can't copyright dance moves. So Diego Luna, who portrays Michael Jackson in this film is great. Now he's not constantly dancing, but he has moments where he does do the moves and he's got them down. And those aren't easy things to do. I think anybody could do like a half-ass impression of them, but to just be spot on, that's hard. He does it. Speaking of dancing, Sammy Davis Jr. 
is a, is one of the celebrities that it's impersonating this movie. I don't know how much you know about Sammy. I think you'd know about Sammy Davis Jr. He was a great dancer, and the guy who plays him also is a great dancer. Um, Charlie Chaplin is he's kind of the antagonist of the film, but Charlie Chaplin, the man, the real man, he was a very talented physical comic. And the actor who plays Charlie Chaplin in the movie is also a very talented physical comic. He's got the parts down. There is scenes where he shows why he was chosen to play Charlie Chaplin. It's not just because he looks like him. He can actually do a lot of the a lot of the physical tricks that Charlie Chaplin does in his act. So the actors in this movie are all very talented. Um, the first shot of this movie is, and I think this for me sums up not only just like my being attracted to this movie, but also just like Harmony Korine's movies in general, that what I'm about to describe is typical of a Harmony Korine film is in that there's nothing typical about what I'm about to describe you. It's going to sound absurd, but I think it's beautiful when you see it on film. It's beautiful. The movie opens with Michael Jackson riding a miniature motorcycle on a lonely track with a wire or a stick attached to the bike. And at the end of that wire is a doll of a monkey that has wings. It actually looks to me like it's supposed to potentially be one of the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. So as he's riding the bike, dressed as Michael Jackson, he has a flying monkey attached to him, and he's got a surgical mask on. And he's riding around this track by himself while the song Mr. Lonely by Bobby Vinton is playing. And the song plays in its entirety as you see this scene play out in slow motion. And it is a beautiful scene. It is one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a movie. And yet, nothing really happens. It's just beautifully filmed. And just, I admire even thinking something like that up. I think it's amazing. This movie is not currently streaming anywhere, but it is available on DVD for about $10 if you look for it on Amazon. It's not on Blu-ray yet, at least not of this release of this recording. Um, if you wanted to rent it on Amazon Prime, it's about $4. You can also purchase it digitally on Amazon Prime for $10. And as far as I'm concerned, like maybe for you, you're like, I don't know, that sounds like something I wouldn't want to spend my money on or something that I feel like I'd be taking a risk on. But just speaking for myself, like what it's like to be Isaac's haunted beard, <laughs> me, uh, it's it's priceless. It's 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 absolutely essential. I am thankful the movie exists and I'm I'm super thankful that I own it. I love it. 
And there you go. I'm also thankful that you took the time to listen to me talk to you for for a little bit about about movies. So thank you. I, I, I'm serious. I, I'm really really grateful. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Isaac's Haunted Bee. Uh, subscribe to me on YouTube under the name Isaac's Haunted Beard. And I look forward to spending time with you again on my podcast talking about movies. Okay. Like always, I'm never going to outstay my welcome. I promise you, I'm never going to give you an, an episode even longer than half an hour. Uh, I just want to get to the point and, and, and just be here long enough to hopefully get you interested in the movie and just enjoy spending time listening to your dorky friend ramble. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, friends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you next time.